Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. That's why in the Shema, the children of Israel were taught, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Could it be that some of our problems arise because we've not given God our heart? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he'd left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Uh Uh-oh. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and said, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? And Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab, my master's men, are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear I would never do such a thing. Well, start here today, David told him. And tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, He slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Do you see what David's doing? And do you see the slippery slope of sin? This is so important. This is a testimony I could give even in my life. You take one step into sin... That first step is difficult. If you've had intimacy with God, if you fear God, you're like, man, I I don't want to do this. I can't do this. There's no way. You're you're hearing the warning, and then something happens over time. That sin is cultivated in your life, and you take that step. And then the next time an opportunity arises, it's a little easier to take that step. And then the next time it comes a little easier. (laughs) It's a great principle we need to remember in life, right? Right? When you find yourself in a hole, the best thing you can do, whatever you do, stop digging. Don't just sin and sin and sin to cover up sin. That's what David did. He breaks at least six of the Ten Commandments. He goes on and he has Uriah assassinated. So what did he break? He put the God of lust, his desire above God. And then he killed and he committed adultery and he stole and he lied and he coveted. Starting out as a man after God's own heart. And how does it end? Let's look at those verses again. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. 
There's a part of me that doesn't want to say what I'm about to say, but you need to understand it. Part of me doesn't want to say it because I don't understand why God allowed it, but it is what it is. I want you to know, David wasn't lonely. He had a wife. In fact, get this. He had wives. He also had concubines. You see, when we are not not right in our heart, nothing we do to try to cover up that pain is going to fill the need and the gap that only God can meet in our life. So David brought her to the palace. She became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Well, what happens next? Does David confess? Nope. In in fact, as you look at this historically, it would be about a year before we hear the next chapter of this story. Some of what David is experiencing, he records in a psalm that he writes, Psalm 32. Listen to verse 3. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. David sinned. He covered up his sin. He sinned some more. But there were consequences to his sin. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always keeps you longer than you want to stay. And sin can make you get to a point where you are at rock bottom. But here's the good news. Rock bottom can be a foundation. It can be a foundation for new heights for God. Setbacks, remember, can be comebacks. Let's see what happens. Chapter 12, verse 1. So the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. Now, it's important that you understand something. Who is Nathan? He's a prophet. What did a prophet do, particularly in the Old Testament times? A prophet was one who spoke for God. So when the prophet spoke, when the prophet spoke you got the word of God. How do we get the Word of God today? We have the Word of God. It's the Bible. And so we open the Scriptures to hear the Word of God. In David's day, the prophet would come and proclaim the Word of God. And so what you're seeing set up here is that it's the Word of God that is the pathway to your comeback from disobedience. If you're here and you're you're caught up, in sin, and there's something you've done. And as we've walked through David's life, you've recognized, I, I'm being disobedient. I'm not doing the things God wants me to do. I need you to understand something. You don't have the power in and of yourself to break those chains. I don't care what kind of support group you get into. I don't care who you tell. You're not going to do it on your own because sin separates us from God, and we all need God. And so your strength is going to come from the Word of God. That's why when we teach and preach 
in this church, you find a lot of Scripture. I don't read one verse and then tell you a bunch of funny stories. Those stories are, are my words, have little power. But the Word of God, I read it again this morning, the Word of God endures forever. So see how it continues. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb. He grew it up with his children. This was a pet lamb. I mean, think about this. This wasn't for sacrifice or for food. He would hold this lamb in his arms. He would love this lamb like some of you do, your little doggies. Maybe your cats, but that's questionable. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arm like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or his own herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. Now, we think of this as a story, as it said in this translation or a parable, but it doesn't say that. It says, Nathan went to David with the word from God. So what was David? He was the king. What did the king do? He was the justice. So Nathan would come and present this as a case. Hey, there's an issue here, David. What are we going to do? Look at what it says in verse 5. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and have no pity. Poor little David. Have you ever noticed that when we judge the sins of others, we judge them much more harshly than we judge our own? We look down our sinful noses at the sins that are different than ours. Look at verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. There's somebody who's hearing that today that needs to hear those words. You, you are that man. You, you are that woman. And the choices you're making, the decisions you're living with, you're okay with, they're putting you on a path to destruction. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel. I saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and his kingdom, his Israel and Judah. And all that was not enough. I would have given you much more. Why have you despised what? The word of the Lord. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says... The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. There's a principle we find in Proverbs 28, 13. It's what God is referring to here. What we cover 
you better believe it. God's going to one day uncover. You may think you've got a secret today. Nobody knows it. Well, guess what? One day it will be known. We've seen this recently, even in Christianity. World-renowned leaders who lived with secrets that even after death were exposed. What we cover, he'll one day uncover. But here's the good news. What we uncover, by his grace, he covers And this, oh friend, this is your pathway to a comeback. Look at verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. A year later, his child has already been born. The prophet of God had to come to him and speak to him. And yet David finally gets it. I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes. But the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. (laughs) Oh friend. I want you to understand something. What was Nathan bringing to David? The word of God. And the word of God broke through. When guilt would not break through. When shame would not break through, when pain would not break through, there's power, there's power in the Word of God. So David confesses. This teaches us something about God, and some of you may have misunderstood this about God. God's not a God of retribution, (laughs) He's not a cosmic killjoy. That sits in heaven waiting for you to mess up. Like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead. Make my day. He's not interested in terminating you. That's not his way. He's not a God of renunciation. Like some of you are. You know what that word means? Huh. You did me wrong. I'm out of here. We cut people off. We stop talking to them. I've seen it even in church. Walk by people in hallways as if they don't exist. That's not of God. That's not what he does. What is God? God's way is restoration. He heals the brokenhearted. He takes cracked pots and puts them back together. That's who he is. That's what he does. And we see this in David's life because he tells us the story in Psalm 51. Just hear some of it. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. He goes on to say, against you, and you only have I sinned. I've done evil in your sight. Look at verse 7. He says, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Verse 8, oh, give me back joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Verse 9, don't keep looking At my sins, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Verse 16, he says, you do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. 
You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. How do you come back from a season of disobedience? Number one, like David, there has to be confession. You agree with God that you have sinned. That's what confession is. Confession is not about verbally saying to a priest or anyone else what you've done. Confession is agreeing with God that you have sinned. And then you make a commitment. This commitment is repentance. Repentance is making a break from the sin. You're not going to be on that pathway to restoration. You're not going to experience a comeback if you agree with God about your sin, but you keep on sinning. That's not the way it works. There has to be a commitment. God, I'm walking away from this. That means doing whatever it takes. That means if that cell phone is causing sin in your life, get a flip phone. That means if that office relationship is endangering your marriage, quit your job. That means if the pathway that you drive to work is taking you by places you want to stop and you know you shouldn't, go another way. Make the break from sin. Third, there's cleansing. As you make that break, as you repent, the Bible tells us that God cleanses us. Remember what he says? Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew that right spirit within me. And then I have contrition. David understood that what God wants is humility. That we recognize that there's only room for one king on the throne of our heart. That was true for David. And it's true for you and me. And we give God that, that throne. We let Jesus sit in his rightful place as the king of our heart. Now, when you do those four things, when you confess, when you repent and commit to be different, when you experience the cleansing that comes from God's forgiveness, when you walk in humility, then, then you've got a foundation to go forward in confidence. Rock bottom has become that foundation for confidence. So hear me. If you've done those things, not talking about the sins, but let's go back to that. If you had a season of disobedience, you've done those things, but then you've come before God in confession and commitment and cleansing and contrition, then you start walking in confidence. Don't walk around in guilt and shame. If you've done those things, that's false guilt. That's false shame. Walk in the confidence of the grace of God. And when the devil does what he sometimes does to me, when he reminds you of, his, of your past, remind him of his future. Don't let that keep you down. Now, why, why did God do this for David? This is kind of like the bonus ending. Because he didn't do that for Saul, right? Saul sinned, and that was all she wrote. Look at 2 Samuel 7, verse 14. This is God about David. 
I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul. You know what that is? What do we call that in theological terms? That's a covenant. David had a covenant with God. In church, this is where it gets so good. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you too have a covenant of God. The Bible says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's the sin in our life. And all of us, just like this book about the falls, we have a book of our falls, of our failures, of our sins. And that sin forms a barrier that separates us from God. But that while all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to our own way, God laid on Jesus the sins of us all. And because Jesus took your sin and Jesus took my sin, the truth is you and me are freed up to have a relationship, a covenant relationship with God. And nothing, the Bible says, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from him. I want you to go back. Let's go back to how it started with David. Remember verse 14? Now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after God's own heart. Then we saw he went through a season of disobedience and it displeased the Lord. How did it end? (laughs) This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because here's what I know. This is the word of God. Every word of it. Inerrant, infallible, perfect and true. From beginning to end. So when I read something in the New Testament about the Old Testament, it's not there by accident. It means the Holy Spirit of God inspired these words to be written. And when David is talked about Long after his death. And his life is spoken of by Dr. Luke. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in Acts 13, verse 22, it says, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. That's how it can end. That's how it ended for David. That's how it can end for you. But you need to think today. In this moment. How are things set up for your ending? Does God have your heart? Your whole heart? For some of you today, it's time for a comeback. And in just a moment, when we bow our heads and we begin to pray together, I'm just asking you, get right with God. Some of you need confession. Some of you need to commit. It's repentance. Some of you just need to receive that cleansing and accept that. Some of you need to let God experience your brokenness. Others of you need to just walk forward in confidence, but spend this moment with God and let him work in your life so that you might experience the comeback that he desires for you.
But somebody today, (laughs) because I've already prayed for you, somebody today, you need to come to Jesus for the first time. Your sin, it's separated you from God. If it's left undealt with, it's going to separate you forever. It's not only going to make your life miserable, it's going to send you to hell. But that's not God's desire for you or anyone else. That's why he sent his son Jesus. And that's why Jesus died on that cruel cross. He didn't do that at the hands of Romans or Jews. He did that at your hands and my hands. He did that because of our sin. But because he died and rose again, you can face tomorrow. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.